0: Hello, this is Kenya, podcast preacher, and I want to welcome you back to Deepwater. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is, He Broke His Promise, or God Broke His Promise, to be more direct. So what is up with Israel trekking across the desert, except but to gain the promised land described as heaven on earth? I mean, these peeps had no property to call their own for about 400 plus years. Not that any one of them lived that long. In addition, their departure from their enemy while also experiencing, or rather witnessing God's wrath being poured out on the Egyptians for trying to keep what was no longer theirs, which is the nation of Israel. No doubt God felt that they had kept them occupied long enough. Clearly in this mass exodus event, we can see that it is better to be disciplined by God than to be killed by him. So, but now we can also see, as we camp on this event for a moment and unearth some of its lessons, that it is apparent that 400 years was not long enough to suppress or change human nature. And if theirs did not change in the harshest of slavery, then we can expect that ours won't in absolute freedom. And, well, it hasn't. So, but for the fact of God releasing His Son into this planet to rescue us from our old human nature, sin, and Satan we would all be doomed and headed to the house constructed for Satan. I don't know if you can call hell a house, but I'm assuming that if you're going to dwell somewhere for all of eternity, you can call it home. So but now before I even get into this story, you probably shouldn't choose that as an option, even though it is clearly an option. Anyone who chooses to live with Satan for all of eternity deserves to live with Satan for all of eternity, especially when you had the clear a choice not to. Okay, I'm back. So we see, as we have seen the not-so-factual movie, but have also read the clearly factual Bible, that the first generation did not get in, did not receive their inheritance, did not receive the promise. The trek through the desert was for naught. I can imagine that it will be the same journey for those who are religious, but do not seek to know God or do what He says. After all, we are all on the same journey. So here it is. Gen 1 didn't get what God had promised. So did God break his promise to them? (laughs) You might be thinking that I should hide right about now. But you see, me and God have our relationship, and besides, I credit him for making me this way. So no, I did not just say that God is a liar. For Hebrews 6.18, Titus 1.2, and Numbers 23.19 tell us that he cannot lie. Thus, God is not a liar. But then, Ken, so, but yeah, you're right, right? Did not God promise to give them the promised land and then not deliver on it? Well, let's get some history on that. But first, I know, I know, get on with it, Ken. Okay, so you see, it doesn't appear that this was a one-way promise, for we know in the books that follow Exodus, specifically Deuteronomy 27.10 through chapter 28, there were some rules, like don't run with scissors or a pencil in your hand. And when you hear a specific siren, get under your desk for protection. Sorry, flashback to my wonder years in grade school. You know, the get under your desk in the event of a nuclear strike was an interesting rule. And I think we as kids should have questioned it. So now if you have read Deuteronomy, you may be asking me, where does it say God will not deliver on his promise if we don't follow his rules? It doesn't. But the rules, if followed, and they couldn't be, would have kept them from rejecting God. Exodus twelve twenty-five. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as He promised, that you shall keep this service. Now you almost have it, and now you almost lost it. Some history on this next scripture. I left in verse 10 and 14 so as to show you they made God mad enough to have killed them all. But then that Moses changed God's mind, and he relented. But now in between these two, we see the reason why. And by so in looking down the road, this reason was no longer valid, because of what Israel had done in the face of God, right in front of the fire and cloud of His glory. Exodus 32, 10-14 Now therefore, Let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. He was talking to Moses. Verse 11, Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, He brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them? From the face of the earth, turn from your fierce wrath, and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm for which he said he would do to his people. Now Hebrews tells us of the origin of this promise, which was to Abraham. It seems to me that God had some liberty as to how he would carry out this plan, which as we know the end of the story, he did in the second generation. Hebrews 6.13 For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured... He obtained the promise. Genesis 22, 17. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy. Genesis 26, 4. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So didn't Moses stop God from destroying the people so that the others might not say of him that he could not get them to the promise? Yes, he did, even though, by these scriptures, you would think that God's anger was misplaced. But if the golden calf could speak, it would tell us that they gave it credit for releasing them from Egypt and not God. And of a strange and historical fact, isn't it interesting that we have a calf right there by our stock market? But that's for another time. Now, I'm not God, but if I were, and I just did what I did to clearly distinguish myself from all other false gods that existed in Egypt, I too would have wanted to turn them all into a field of grass for the golden calf to eat from for the rest of its days. Okay, so but now you know that I'm not God, as to come up with such a dastardly plan. Well, hey, it's not too bad. Moses ground up the calf and made him eat it. Did he not make a promise to his people? His own peeps? Yes. Well, then something must have changed in the desert to disqualify them. They must have crossed the I am committed to you, but if you do this, then I am no longer committed to my promise line. What could that line have been? And after I tell you, what is it for you? Are you sitting on the unfulfilled promises of God? Yes, I hear you. Can it could just be out of season for those promises to be fulfilled? Yep, and maybe nope. Human behavior doesn't change when it comes to the things of God. We are a fickle race, always changing our minds and digressing ever so slowly to our dirt state of being. In other words, we, when we start out strong with God, will, over time, start to ask other gods in casual conversation what their horoscope is. You know God is not hiding and he sees everything, right? Do you have something on his altar that is your heart? That is ahead of him? Over him? Above him? Careful now, many of us don't know ourselves well enough to answer correctly, standing on a straight line. Truth comes out of his mouth well enough, but our words are a little more prone to comfort and the truth is not always comfortable. Okay, so, but before we get into too many hypotheticals about why we think we haven't yet received a promise, promised by or from God, let's hear it. God promised his people that they would inherit the promised land through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they disqualified themselves by rejecting God, so that he had no choice but to reject them. You see, they rejected him not just once, but ten times. Until he had had enough. We indeed reap what we sow, right? Numbers 14:11. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? with all the signs which I have performed among them. Reject me? What a declaration from our father, from their father. You see, they weren't arguing with Moses and Aaron all along in the desert, were they? They were rejecting God. You weren't arguing against your church leaders. If and when you were, you were rejecting God. I know you think it's different these days, but God never changes. And we rarely change but for the transforming power of God through the blood of Jesus and our helper, the Holy Spirit. I told you in another message that these stories wouldn't be in the Bible if we, today, didn't need their lessons. Didn't Gen 2 do the same thing their parents Gen 1 did anyway? Let's see what Gen 1 did on purpose. Numbers 14, 22, 32 Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have put me to the test now these ten times, and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley, Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Verse 26, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Complaining against your church leader, or someone else's church leader, or a televangelist, or a dead evangelist, is to complain against and reject God. I cannot tell you how this is such a bad idea, even if you were right. To complain about the one who has given you everything including a ticket to life in eternity with him. And what of the adventure of living with this epic scene? Ezekiel 3, 12-14 Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. I also heard the noise of wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels beside them and a great thunderous noise. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went away in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Back to Numbers fourteen twenty-six. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness, all of you who were numbered, according to your entire number, from twenty years old and above, except for Caleb the son of Jehonah, and Joshua the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. Complained and rejected God; they divorced God in favor of a trip back into slavery. If it were possible that they could have gone back into Egypt, Numbers 14:3. But the very one they complained against—that is Moses—I mean God—but Moses, yeah, no separation from that bond is there. So the Lord pardoned their iniquity, but in their rejecting Him, had disqualified themselves from their inheritance. The Lord was no longer obligated. See what he said in that last scripture? I will bring in, and they shall know, the land which you have despised. So they despised the promised land before they ever got into the promised land. And they did so through complaining and rejecting God. And I imagine if we do the same thing today, the same thing will happen. No, we won't die in the desert, but we won't come into all that God has promised us that we would come into. And as I stated earlier about human nature being unchangeable without the ever-present God to intervene, Gen 2 were no different. Had the Gen 2, 20-year-old, and youngins, who were in line to inherit their parents' promise, lived in the desert for much longer, they too would have forfeited the promise. See how Moses and Joshua both told them that they would eventually reject God just like their parents? Look, Deuteronomy 31:20, When I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. What? Is he not describing us today in America? Then they will, will what? Turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Okay, so we turn away from God and then begin to look for a replacement as we were all created to worship and we find our created false gods and begin to act like they have done anything for us. How stupid do we get when we turn our cheeks away from God? Do you see it? We get stupid and start worshipping wood, silver, and stones, carved and formed into dead-end gods. Don't believe me? Watch the movies. Look online and see what the leaders of this country are worshipping. Go to almost any store and you can see what we have invited into this country with our complaining against God. And so we go exactly the same way they did. And surely we will get the same result. This should terrify you. This should terrify us. If not, read the Old Testament, and then fear him who knows our rebellion. Deuteronomy 32, 15, 18, and verse 39. Look, the only difference between us and them that I can see is that we made it into our promised land. America is a promised land. It was built and founded on Christianity. But now we're allowing the fools that live in this country to lead us away from God. And just like they did in the desert, Korah and those leaders he had, we too will end up in the same place. Deuteronomy 31, 27. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? This is what Moses is telling them. Deuteronomy 31-29 For I know that after my death you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. You think every time there's an abortion he doesn't get mad? You think he's okay us killing one of his children? I don't think so. He wasn't when they did it. And so, but now I bring it home to us. We know Israel rejected God, and so he tossed them into the wind and scattered them all over the earth. So what of America? How are we getting away from rejecting God as a nation, just like Israel did, and are not yet scattered all over the world, so to speak? God wouldn't necessarily judge us in the same manner as he did Israel, but nonetheless we will be, and maybe are, being judged for rejecting him right now in 2022. When that part of the process started, That is irrelevant. Just listen to the news for a week and you will see that we are in it. So Ken, what is this about? Well, we know that God can break his promise to us individually or as a nation if we no longer consider him our God. If we reject him, well then, shouldn't we be thinking about what promises he made to America that he is no longer obligated to keep? Deuteronomy 26. Read the whole thing. I don't think he's obligated to do anything for America at this point. There is only one solution before the spiritual divorce is final. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. You mean the fires could stop? You mean the droughts could dry up? No pun intended. You mean addiction would shrink back? Divorce would flee from a strong marriage? Yeah. No? America wouldn't be made perfect, it never was. But we would at least stand a chance of going into the next generation before Jesus returns and winning that many more souls. After all, isn't this why we're here? Toss the attorney, the adversary out, and get on your faces and hope and pray we are not too late. In this story, we do see that God did carry out his promise. However, it was to a different generation. And because we can only live in one generation, that is the one we were born in, If we de-him, it's on us, and we shall never receive in relational value what we could have. Deuteronomy 1.10 The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today, as the stars of heaven in multitude. So we can relax in this, that we know God kept his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and indeed they were and continue to multiply. Deuteronomy 30:15-20. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your hearts turn away so that you do not hear, and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go into and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. And that ye may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. Well, that's it for today and for this message. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still and destroy the work of the enemy and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep water.